Welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast, where we explore the detail of what it really takes to achieve great success in the business of property developments and investments. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the next episode of Property Developers and Investors podcast. And today I'm delighted to welcome uh, Mr. Fred Bristol from Brickowner. Hi, Fred. How are you, sir? Hi, Mark. Thank you very much for having me today. Great. No, it's an absolute pleasure. And one of our trusted partners in Equa Academy. And it's really important for you know the listeners to understand the diversity of opportunities that await not only developers, but investors. And, and your business is right at the epicenter of creating real value-added services to both of those. And I'm really looking forward to exploring that with you uh, today in this episode. But uh, Fred, you're you're a man of many experiences in uh, in property going back uh, going back some distance. So maybe you could give our listeners a bit of an outline of some of your experiences and ultimately how you came about the concept of brick owner. Um, yes. So after I left university in 2002, and after university, I actually moved uh, to the Baltic states, uh, a specific country, Estonia. Uh, and I worked there in the Baltics till from 2002 till 2010. And over time, we built up a portfolio uh, which spanned, they're, they're small countries actually, so we've got, a, got to diversify. So we spanned kind of residential uh, land, uh, commercial uh, and industrial as well. And yeah, we built a portfolio up over time. And then 2010, I came back to the UK. And then uh, between 2010 and 2015, I owned different property, I have different property interests I own in the UK, and a lot of it was linked to planning, so mainly residential planning, uh, so I kind of was working on that about five years, actually, um, and I still have some of those interests, but it doesn't take up very much of my time now. Uh, and then 2015, I was in a in, in Lincolnshire, a town where I own some interests, and looking at some um, starting to buy up residential housing, because at the time you could buy kind of Victorian cottages for uh, more or less what you could build them for, just under even £100 a square foot. Uh, and I thought, you know, strong rental demands, a really interesting opportunity at the time to start buying them up. And I thought, actually, let's set up a property fund and then other people can also access these opportunities, which they might not know about or will be able to access. So then I thought, actually, instead of a property fund, uh, where people, individuals, investors can have problems because it's well, they might need you know, significantly large amounts uh, and there's a lot of paperwork. Why not set up a technology platform? Um, so that was the kind of beginning of the idea of Rickona. Uh, and then over, kind of, you know, that was summer of 2015, kind of the business model. And then 2016, we built the te- technology platform, took a year to build. And then we launched it in kind of January 2017. Um, and uh, since then, we've done kind of a number of projects spanning all sorts from, you know, residential to, to industrial to even a stake in a hotel, student housing, um, uh, a, a kind of a broad range of different investment opportunities. So how did you, how did you manage the transition from a property background to running a, a an IT fintech organization in terms of you know, the skills there it's it's quite a yeah. transition yeah sure um so funny enough i um the, the, 
the individual I used to work with in Estonia full-time uh, called Toby, um, he, between 2010 and 2015, whilst I was in the UK continuing to, to do property, he actually moved to Berlin and um, set up a, a property accelerator. Sorry, not a property accelerator, a technology accelerator. Um, so he then, over those five years, got all the, all the you know, background required uh, to kind of know how to set up or create a technology business. So he co-founded Bricken with me. Um, so, so I kind of piggybacked off some of his kind of skills that were in the early days um, and still now, actually. Yeah. So that was, that was it, really. Fascinating. We're, we're in the process of developing a, a web platform, um, which will go into beta mode before Christmas. Um, so something very much close to my heart at the moment and maybe a conversation we can have later on. Um, so what makes uh, peer-to-peer crowdfunding platforms so attractive to not only developers but also investors? Where, where have you seen the appeal uh, over the last seven or eight years? Sure. So I would say from the investor side, um, firstly, uh, we, it's, it's, um, we, we have investors who well, you can invest from anywhere in the world uh, 24-7, which is incredibly attractive, especially nowadays where people travel a lot. Um, and they are, quite rightly, more demanding. So they, want to do, they don't want to be told when to you know, go, go into your bank. You know, you've got a, kind of a two-hour window when it's open. Um, they want to invest when it suits them. So I think that's the first thing. They can log on wherever they are in the world, whatever time, and see the opportunity. Um, and then also from a paperwork perspective, for an investor, you don't want to, if you, it's, you know, no one wants 100 pages of papers to then go through and then sign and scan and then do all the ID checks, run around trying to get your passport certified. And then you, you've been told that your kind of IDs are three months out of date, you'll get another utility bill. Uh, so it just provides a very easy method for investors to to access um, and then use well, access investment opportunity and then invest and then monitor in terms of updates. Um, so that's kind of the the offering as it were for, for investors. Uh, and also the offering is uh, a lot of the kind of call it private equity and property invest investments. Some of them have significantly high minimum minimums. So some of them could be called for a million pounds or hundred thousand. So I guess what you know our offering is also we're an aggregator. So you know a number of different investors will come invest alongside each other through our platform, and um, you know because there's a you know a, a number of investors rather than just one, it means they can access a, a, an opportunity which otherwise they might not have been able to without putting significant amounts of significantly larger amounts of money in. And then also from the kind of property developer asset manager perspective. Uh, I mean, managing investors, onboarding investors, um, dealing with kind of compliance and IDs is incredibly cumbersome and time consuming. Uh, so we provide a, a solution for that so that, you know, they deal with us um, and all the updates will go through us to the um, to the investors. And again, all the kind of, you know, every year, you, you have to, investors are required to reclassify of, of whether they're kind of, I don't know, a, a, a sophisticated or a high net worth investor. So our system is fully automated. So it just does that rather than if you're um, 
developer having to kind of, or an asset manager having to kind of do it offline. So we, we just provide a very, I guess, a simple, simple way forward for them as well. Yeah, it's a it's a great point, isn't it? Um, about how volatility in volatility in the market, the the big sway in equities in the global markets, and we all know about the challenges in the world today. That just because somebody qualified as a high net worth or sophisticated investor one or two years ago doesn't necessarily mean they are now. So compliance, in, compliance, and strong governance seems to be a a trademark in what you're providing, and I, I'm guessing that's creates a, an assurance platform for, for both the developer and the investor. Yeah, exactly. It helps build trust, I guess, both, both sides. And do you see that trust that, that's built on and you see investors rolling investment through and, and extending their portfolio from one development into another? Yeah, we have, um, we have a very high repeat investor rate. So it's, it's around 72% um, to invest more than once. Is, and it's been consistent in terms of the, the kind of repeat rates. And some, some have invested in over probably 10, overall a number of less than over 10 of our projects as well. And you mentioned quite a wide array of residential, commercial, industrial, hotels. Uh, could you maybe pick out one or two examples? Um, and just to give, give our listeners a, a sense of scale and, and whether the investors are on a, a debt or an equity basis, uh, just give us a, a, a flavour. Yeah, sure. So um, again, we've done an incredibly broad range of investments. So um, we have done a uh, we've done we've well, we've done a debt like a, a portion of a debt fund a while ago. So in effect, you're taking a stake alongside many others in a in a, a fund a, a pooled um, work, which then get lent to, to to developers. Uh, we've done from the scale, you know, we've done. Four houses, uh, or up to kind of some some of the projects are significantly larger. So they might be a block of twenty flats um, on the residential side. Uh, and then um, again, we've helped fund um, a uh, like an industrial units as well, uh, which then got sold. Um, so kind of a, a, a broad a broad range. And, and again, on the security side, uh, often we'll have a second charge as well. Um, and the, the developer almost always puts or the asset manager uh, some kind of investment in on a first loss basis as well. Okay, so you you've got a you've got a, a senior provider. You're providing the subordinated debt. Exactly. Debt is it, or, or would that be uh, maybe is equity? But it's it's equity. it's, okay. it's yeah. But it would sit. It would it's equity, but it would sit in front of it. it would. Would have preference over the developers or the asset managers' equity, but it's, it's still equity. Yeah, so so they've got they've got skin in the game. The the developers got skin in the yeah. game. Yeah, and actually on on that on the kind of equity front, um, I mean, you know, funny enough, because obviously we're kind of entering a an inflationary well, we're not entering, we're in it now, <laughs> an inflationary environment. Um, e- equity is is a big one. The problem with de- debt is great because you have better security. Uh, but you are on a fixed return. Equity, you have, uh, you're taking greater risk because you don't have as good a security. But um, it is a, historically has been shown to be obviously a, a better hedge against inflation because it is susceptible to the up and the down. So if, if there is an inflationary swing in terms of values, it does get, it does benefit from that, whereas debt doesn't. 
Yeah. And you're providing a service of not just the platform for investment and security and return, but I think you mentioned the the maintenance, the ongoing communication and checks and updates and uh, various sure. things that, that comms bridge. Yeah, exactly. And actually, fun enough, we launched um we launched maybe a year and maybe even up to a year and a half ago now a secondary market. So if investors are in a project and a project projected term is three years, but they you know are looking to, to get some or all of their investment back before the end of the term, for whatever reason, you know, people are, you know, their lives change or needs change, they're able to put a portion of or all of their investment up for sale in the secondary market. Um, but the, the caveat there is we are we provide a marketplace, but we're not a market maker. So it's kind of willing buyer, willing seller. But we, we did we will make it more dynamic as well, actually, over time. But we we have like launched that service as well. Yeah, yeah. And you you mentioned term then. Typically, what what would be the range of term for 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 the projects leading right the way through to the to the exit and return of funds to investors? Sure. So um, broad range. So kind of the shortest we've done is a year, um, and the longest is five is five years actually. Uh, I would say five years is a long time for, for many of the investors that we speak to or deal with. Um, the kind of sweet spots is probably two, three, three years probably. Um, anything under uh, one year from our perspective. It's um it becomes quite hard to, to deal with because it's um it's a lot of effort kind of onboarding a project. So if it then mm. finishes after two months, it's kind of uh it's probably not even from we haven't even seen a demand for very sh- incredibly short term um under a year either. So the minimum has always been a year really for us. Yeah. And do you do you see um do you see your business um focusing in on property property development do you see a stage in the future where there might be more business propositions um, sure. so we would only i cannot I, only property um the, the concept of property is quite broad so kind of asset backed physical physical asset but we would never do anything other than real assets property assets i, I mean I say never. I cannot imagine. I cannot envisage right now doing anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So just focus. I think. I think from what I found in life, focus is a good thing. If you try and do everything, you actually achieve nothing. Half the time. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. Um. So the the due diligence that's um required. Where where do you see in in the I guess the entire peer to peer industry? Where do you see the the burden, the responsibility of due diligence sitting. Um, clearly, the, the bank playing a part of where there's a senior debt provider, but the developer, the peer-to-peer provider, and the um, and the investor. How do you how do you square that circle? Sure. So, firstly, it's important to say that we do not advise um, as a business to for investors to invest. Uh, we provide investments on our platform. And it's up to them to decide if they are interested in investing or not and how much they want to invest or not invest. <clears throat> Having said that, uh, obviously, we do do uh, thorough detailed due diligence, uh, which involves, you know, red, like valuations. Um, so, so funny enough, because we, we're not the senior lender, often by the time the developer or asset managers come to us, they almost have a pack 
because they would have spoken to senior lenders. Um, but ultimately, it, it involves you know val- like valuations of surface development of the land, build costs, exit prices, um, and then obviously their kind of track record as well, um, and just getting comfortable with uh, with with everything, and then seeing if we like it, and then kind of everything stacks up, and then kind of progressing from there really. That's uh, I think I think that's important. I've I've seen reference um, quite a few times to people saying, "Well, the due diligence is a lot lighter from an investor's perspective on peer to peer." And whilst yes, there are, there is the senior lenders DD and the monitoring surveyors pack and the red book and things like that. Um, there is never a light DD from an investor's perspective, is it? You know, it's the it's the buyer beware, as you as you say. Sure. So we know. Uh, we've been through a pretty challenging two years with with COVID, a lot of changes, huge amount of volatility, and I I think the only certainty in in the world is is change, um, and that's set to continue. Um, we've both been growing businesses over over the last three four years during that uncertainty. What what challenges have you seen in business growth and the economy um, that that our listeners might relate to? Sure. So, um, <clears throat> what challenges have we seen? So, one is uh, we have we've ne- we've never actually had. So, when investors um, have invested, we don't have a tax efficient structure, um, and the reason for that is because we do equity. Um, whereas, if we did debt, uh, investors could invest using innovative finance ISAs uh, and even SASs as well. Uh, whereas, because we've had equity, that hasn't been possible. So actually, what we're doing right now is creating a REIT, which we're looking to launch end of the year, and then it would be tax efficient for investors, so they could invest ISAs, um, they could invest uh, using SAPs, uh, sorry, SASs and SIPs as well. Um, and we like the idea of it because it would provide income uh, paid either monthly or quarterly, but then also potential would be equity, so potential capital growth, again, go back to hedge against inflation. But, but yes, yeah, so one thing we've lacked is um, an, uh, a tax-efficient way for investors to invest into property. Um, and also creating a fund, uh, I think, is important because it helps uh, instant diversification. So otherwise, investors are that what we are. I'm, I'm always being big on diversifying. I think it's very important that investors always diversify. But actually, you know, the, the thing I like about a single pool is from every you know, pound you invest, it's automatically diversified, which I like the idea of as well. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. So you've touched on some of the plans for the future. Uh, Reed, any, any other plans in terms of growth, I, I guess, scaling uh, the, yeah, the business? Sure. Yeah, sure. So, so obviously, the kind of creating and launching a REIT and growing REIT and the business has a, is expensive. So actually, we're doing. We, we've you know we've got a, you know, a lot of shareholders already in our holding company, and we're doing right now another kind of we opened up another uh, investment round where investors in the holder brick and holdings, anyone invested is EIS eligible that they would benefit um, from owning a stake in all the technology, all the platform, including the new REITs, the management the management vehicle for that as well. Uh, so we're doing that right now actually as well. And that's, uh, as, well as, as well as this REIT, the idea is we launch the first REIT. We'll carry on doing deal by deal, so that's a question. Because um, I think it's, it's, you know, many investors still like picking an individual deal investments. Uh, but after this REIT, we look to do a number of others, each with a different um, focus. Uh, 
in terms of different property subsector. Yeah, very interesting. And REITs, and uh, and also I'm I'm a SAS trustee as well, and um, Ecco Academy community. There are probably sixty or seventy percent uh, of members have have got a SAS. It's a very vibrant community, and um, again, looking for strong due diligence, diversification. Yeah. Uh, and not just short-term gains, looking at, at long-term, and, and obviously a SaaS can invest in in a business as well, including a, a REIT. So um, some real real common ground, which is something we, we might explore in the weeks and months to come, Fred. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, one question I always like to uh, close any podcast on is, um, given what you know now, if you take yourself back to your teenage years, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, yeah, I think, uh, what would I give? I think, uh, the old one, like patience is a virtue. I think it's important to be patient. Um, I think it's important, uh, to, to say no, um, as well. And that's to anything, be it investment, be it something you're not comfortable with, um, or anything really. Um, and um, I think, I mean, personally, I'm, I'm very instinctive as a person. So I think, you know, follow instincts are, they kept, you know, kept mankind and animals alive for a long time. So I think it's important to follow your instincts as well. Great, great advice. If only somebody was around, you know, all those years ago to tell us when we were 14, 15, 16, eh? And that's right. that's the idea of this podcast is to give something back to the, you know, not just the younger members of the community at all age ranges. So I like, really appreciate that. Um, really appreciate the, um, the expertise you've brought and the deep insight into the peer-to-peer market and uh, not just the business you've grown, but also your future direction. And I have a feeling our um, our community would be very interested, uh, maybe next year, to to revisit and and see where some of those developments are are going. So uh, maybe we could do this again sometime yeah. very soon. That sounds great. So many of uh, our developers and investors in the community, I'm sure, would be wanting to get in contact. So how's the best place? Uh, where's the best place for them to contact you? Sure. So um, either on, so personally, like LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, um, Frederick Bristol, uh, or through the company website, so brickowner.com, uh, uh, contact me there. Or, and, and also join the, join the website because then you'll get all the you know, email updates um, generally and you can start understanding the business better. And follow us on LinkedIn, Brickowner has a LinkedIn. But in terms of me personally, either through our website as a contact, so they'll get, get to me if it sets for me, um, or else on my personal LinkedIn is probably easiest as well. Fred, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom that you shared freely with us all. And uh, all the best for the future. Thank you, Fred Bristol, co-founder of Brickona. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you would like more inspiration, why not join our Facebook group, Property Developers and Investors, or visit our website, www.equaacademy.co.uk.